Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. This is Season 3, Episode 5, 1 Nephi 19 through 22. Almost 16 through 22. Wait, what do you mean? That's what we're studying, is 16 through 22. Did I say 19? Yeah. 16 through 22. <laughs> you still thought I was wrong? Come on. Who's um, right on these things? You, If you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you know that we make mistakes. We have one to announce, well, to own up to this week. Last week, if you listened to our episode last week, the audio quality was horrible. Here's why. We have a microphone. It's not that fancy, but it's a nicer microphone. Um, and we plug the microphone into our computer. And we have to push a certain button on our computer to record through the microphone and not through the computer. We didn't push that button last week. So we have the computer sitting on the ground. We have the microphone on this chair and we're huddled around the chair. So we're speaking to our computer. It's on the ground like two feet away. We made this mistake for the first half of our entire first season where we thought we were recording through this microphone and we're just recording through our computer before we actually turned, figured out how to turn on the button. I was anyway. going to say it was a total rookie mistake because we literally did it the beginning of our whole first year, which if you are going back and listening to some of the past episodes, um, if the sound is like that, that's why it's because it's through our computer audio. But while we're talking about past episodes, I should mention that last, well, two years ago when we went through the Book of Mormon, we have um, actually one of my favorite episodes. I need to go back and listen. I remember loving it when we did it. Um, but we have it split into two different episodes. So this block of scripture, there's actually two. There's a 16 through 18, 18 I think, yeah. and then 19 through 22. So those are episodes, I believe they're five and six. The very beginning, scroll to the very end of um, the very beginning on your podcast roll, reel, roll. What do you say on that? Whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Anyway, if you want to back, listen back to those, we're going to take a different spin on it this time as we try and encapsulate all of this very large block of scripture today with a lot of story and a lot of things going on. Um, so there's a lot to study here and a lot of cool things going on in the story. And don't get mad at the audio quality. I don't think anyone's mad except us because we're like, <laughs> no. But anyway, so there you have it. We will do better today today we also want to announce our <laughs> website uh we've restocked our study record in our website um there's also a digital download version so if you don't want a print version mailed to you um, you can download it for yourself uh, we have a couple of individual sheets for download and we have a freebie up there for download our uh, learn feel do sheets or learn feel do become sheets are there for free to download um these study records, if you're not familiar with them, or even if you are, we, we've had a couple of people question or write questions about them. Um, and so I just wanted to clarify what they are. These are not study journals. Uh, they're not like a great number of other resources you can get where they're packed with content and um, commentary or illustrations or designs. They're very simple very basic. And the whole focus is on your own personal journey through the scriptures. And so it is exactly what it says. It's a study record. They provide you some, some really good questions, but the content of the notebook is up to you. What you write is up to you. I've been using mine and I love it. 
It forces me to think about things and put down what I'm learning, what I'm feeling, what I want to do, and what I'm becoming as I study. It's organized into books, so it's the whole book of 1 Nephi is one section, and then the whole book of 2 Nephi is another section. Um, it does have some other study resources in it. It has a great map in it that I've really liked. It has a good diagram of where the different plates and uh, books in the Book of Mormon come from and how that all works out. It does have some great illustrations or some, some um, quotes in it that are illustrated. But the bulk of the book, just like the bulk of our podcast, the whole focus is on you and on you having a powerful experience and, uh, and that being the focus of your, of your study. So... And as you're studying, Zach mentioned these learn, feel, do, and become questions um, that we believe really kind of help to aid in a more personal experience with the scriptures. And we have written uh, a question, an example question of a learn question for those for that book of scripture, um, but also that you can kind of come up with your own. Maybe part of the things that you write are more questions or further questions that you feel are the the learn type of questions that, that you're meant to be asking yourself right then. So a lot of different things you can do with that. And if you have questions, maybe you bought one last year and have some questions, we would love to kind of provide some resources on the podcast to kind of help aid you in your study if that's what you feel like you need. Um, or you can always reach out to us individually. We'd love to you know, email you back or message you or whatever if you have any questions or anything we can help right. with. So if that sounds like something you want, jump over to our website, scripturestudyproject.com, and all of that is there for you. Okay. For our episode today, I'm pretty sure I have read this quote in an episode before, but I'm going to read it again because it's one of my favorites and it comes from one of my favorite books of all time from Ender's Game. If you are an Ender's Game fan, then please comment somewhere and shout out so we can geek out together. Um, if you're not familiar with the book, um, there is a scene in the book where the main character, his name is Ender, um, he's the one on whom rests the entire weight of the human race. He's the hero. And he has just barely decided he doesn't want to be the hero. He's tired of people controlling him and deciding his destiny for him. It's too hard what they're asking him to do, and so he's leaving it. He doesn't want to do it anymore. His sister comes and visits him, and it's her job to try and talk him back into being the hero of the human race again. And so she's talking to him. One of the complaints he says is, I'm done. I am done letting people control me. And his sister's response is this. She says, welcome to the human race. Nobody controls his own life, Ender. The best you can do is to choose to fill the roles given to you by good people by people who love you. Now, you may argue or disagree with that quote, but I think there is a kernel of truth in it, in that a large part of our life is made up with who we choose to follow or who we choose to let lead and guide us. And if you think about it, um, if you did a quick inventory of all of the people or organizations or, or ideologies that you choose to lead you, you could probably come up with a list. Political leaders, political ideologies, personal standards, beliefs, TV shows, fashion blogs, whatever. My guess is that most of your decisions are based on the leadership of other people. Well, that topic has fascinated me as I studied um, the last part of this book of First Nephi because um, as I was reading, I found in line with kind of our ongoing focus 
in the Book of Mormon this year that we're focusing not just on Nephi and Lehi and Laman, Lemuel, and Sam, but more importantly on the Lord and what he does. I found in these chapters a repeated um, action of the Lord. So this is 1 Nephi chapter 16, verse 16. Uh, they've just gotten the Leahona, and it says, We did follow the directions on the ball, which led us in the more fertile parts of the wilderness. Chapter 17, uh, verse 13. The Lord says, I will be your light in the wilderness. I'll prepare a way before you. And then at the end of the verse, he says, And you shall know that it was by me that you are led. Chapter 17, verse 30. Notwithstanding they being led, the Lord their God, the Redeemer, going before them, leading them by day and giving light to them by night. Uh, verse 38. He leadeth them, he leadeth away the righteous into precious lands. And on and on and on. You get the idea? It shows up a bunch more times. That fascinated me that in these chapters, Nephi is focusing his narration on what the Lord did to lead them to the promised land. Up to this point, it's just been this distant destination. And in these chapters, they actually get there. They get the Liahona, they build a ship, and they arrive at the promised land. And so what we wanted to focus on in these chapters is, what does the Lord do to lead us to our promised land? If you have the study record, uh, the questions that we wrote in there for First Nephi, for the whole book of First Nephi, kind of go along with this. Uh, the learned question is, reading the story of Nephi and his family, what do I learn about how the Lord can deliver me from my trials and to his promised land? And then the field question, at least part of it is, how do I picture his promised land for me? So what we want to do is study, how does the Lord lead us to his promised land. We'll give you a couple of things that we found, and of course, you'll find so many more on your own. This is kind of an exciting study, I think, because there's so many different things in these chapters that um, Nephi and Lehi and all these people are commanded to do. Um, so you're going to find a lot of answers to this on your own that maybe relate personally to you, to your life, to what you're going through currently. So we're going to provide a couple examples a few examples um, from from what we found, um, but it will be fun to hear um, and see what you come up with as well as you take, take this angle. Um, where I wanted to start in answer to this question, that how does the Lord lead us to his promised land, was something that I couldn't help notice, um, kind of a reoccurring phrase that I that caught my eye a couple times. And the first comes in 1 Nephi 16, verse 29. Um, and this is right when they first start reading the Liahona. Um, and there was also written upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time, according to the faith and diligence which, was, which we gave unto it. Um, and thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. The phrase shows up again in chapter 18, verse 1, as Nephi gets started on his on the ship. And it says, And the Lord did show me from time to time after what manner I should work the timbers of the ship. Um, I think that phrase for me was the beginning of a study of the Lord was speaking to him from time to time. I think it becomes really easy for us to look at this story here that 
was what? At least we know they specifically mentioned the eight years in the wilderness. Um, this was over many years. And for us, it seems like this small snippet of time, like, oh, Nephi got the instructions and he built this ship. Um, but what he was experiencing was probably a lot like what we feel, that sometimes he didn't get any directions and sometimes he had to do things on his own. Um, and I think that's why that phrase stuck out to me from time to time, um, the Lord showed him things or spoke to him. Well, I even think looking at that chapter 18 and verse 3, um, Nephi records that he goes into the mount oft and did pray oft to the Lord, wherefore the Lord showed unto me great things. Meaning he goes up this mountain multiple times to hear the voice of the Lord. There is not one event that gave him a vision of how to build the boat and how to get the promised land all in one fell swoop. Um, it takes a lot of consistent, repeated effort. And I wonder how many times did Nephi go up the mountain and didn't have uh, exactly what he wanted? Or how much time did he go up and he got a partial answer that the Lord expected him to wrestle with and come up with more information or more input? And and so I like that you're bringing this out, this um, this humanness of receiving revelation where it takes time and it takes effort and sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that the process is broken. It actually means that it's working. And I think what's interesting is Zach brought up those scriptures from 18 that he went up to the mountain. The first time we see him go up to the mountain is in chapter 17. And the Lord actually tells him to go to the mountain. And so I wonder here if maybe Nephi saying, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm, I'm reading into the story here. I'm just thinking about this a little bit. And then he says, the Lord, so this is in chapter 17, verse 7. The Lord came unto me saying, arise and get thee into the mountain. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain, and I cried unto the Lord. We don't really know what was happening before with Nephi. Maybe he was in a place where he was like, I need help. And the Lord told him, find a place away so that I can really talk to you and give you instructions. And then the Lord does. In, in verse 8, it says, And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me and gave him further direction. And I think it's interesting to think of some of these different ways that the Lord speaks to you personally from time to time. Um Maybe it's we need to go up, in, up into a mountain. Um, we need to have these very personal experiences. Um, back in chapter 16, if we're going back to the Liahona, um, at the end of that verse 29 in chapter 16, and thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. Um, remembering that the Lord can speak to us. If we look back, we see that by small means he's brought about great things. That from time to time, we're hearing him often, and maybe sometimes we're wondering what he's trying to say, but that he's there for us all along, even if it's in small ways. I like that, especially because it's very familiar to me, at least, as I reflect on the Lord's efforts to lead me it's very familiar to me that from time to time, there are these promptings, uh, movements, thoughts, or feelings that direct me. Uh, and I love that there are those moments, but there's a wrestle involved with that. And there's space between it. And it's okay to, again, the fact that revelation comes line upon line or time at a time um, and maybe requires a bit of our patience, isn't evidence that it's not working. It is actually evidence that it is working. Uh, I had a similar word that stood out to me. Um, chapter 17, verse 30, I've loved this verse. Notwithstanding they being led, the Lord their God, their Redeemer, going before them, leading them by day and giving light unto them by night. And then this is the part I caught hold of. 
and doing all things for them which were expedient for man to receive. I looked up the word expedient in the 1828 dictionary. It's a really helpful tool. If you're looking for what a word means in the Book of Mormon, the 1828 dictionary, just Google it, is good because that's the dictionary that contains the words that were in common use in Joseph Smith's day as he's translating the Book of Mormon. So what does he understand the word expedient to mean as he uses that to describe what he's seeing? And the definition is uh, literally a hastening or an urging forward tending to promote the object proposed. In other words, if someone is doing something expedient for you, they're hastening, they're urging, or they're moving you towards a proposed object. Now, two points about this that I really liked and that resonate with me. Number one, that proposed object, if we're talking about the Lord doing something that's expedient, is not my proposed object, but his. Over in chapter 19, Nephi is describing, as he has a couple of times in here, uh, the the formation of the plates, what goes on the plates, why he's writing what he's writing. And he said this a couple of times, and he says it again in chapter 19, verse 3. At the very end, he just says uh, that all of these things he's been commanded to do with the plates, specifically that he's made small plates and that on the small plates, he's rewriting some of the things that are already on the large plates. And he just says that all of this is for a for wise purposes, which purposes are known unto the Lord. In other words, the Lord doing something that's expedient for us is not for us to reach our desired outcome. It's for us to reach his desired outcome, which means sometimes the revelation, the inspiration, the leadership that comes to us may not make immediate sense because it's not linked up with our plans. It's linked up with his plans. The second point that I liked, and this one is repeated quite often, is this. In chapter 17, verse 13, I've read it already, but I love it. I will also be your light in the wilderness, and I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that you keep my commandments. Wherefore, inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, you shall be led towards the promised land, and you shall know that it is by me that you are led. Chapter 18, verse 20, they're on the ship. Laman and Lemuel have tied up Nephi and... Nephi explains, there was nothing save it were the power of God which threatened them, meaning threatened Laman and Lemuel, with destruction that could soften their hearts, meaning nothing but God could have done this. And then, chapter 20, verse 17, thus saith the Lord, this is Nephi quoting Isaiah, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I have sent him, the Lord thy God, who teacheth thee to profit who leadeth thee by the way thou shouldst go, he hath done it. The second point I like with that expedient word is, the first, of course, God leads us to his desired outcome. The second, though, he leads us in such a way that we know that it is him that's leading us. He knows, and we should know, that the only way to reach the promised land is through God's leadership. And so as we're on the journey, he instigate certain things in that journey that we know it was led, that we are being led by him so that we're relying on him so that we turn to him and so that we don't go seeking somewhere else for strength or for guidance that's not going to get us to that promised land. I think I'm so passionate about this because it has been so real for me over the past couple of weeks and months. Um, earlier in my life, I had a very clear, I think, 
image of what God wanted me to do or what my outcome was. I have learned, especially recently, uh, to not close the door on what God's promised land is for me. Think of Nephi and his family. Uh, they get out into the wilderness, and if you're watching the Book of Mormon videos, you can kind of see this. They get out in the wilderness, and they set up camp, and they think it's a great spot until Lehi says, now we're going to travel further. So they travel further, and they get to the ocean, and they build a camp by the ocean, and it's a great spot. And they even call it bountiful. This is the promised land. And I wonder how many times did Laman and Lemuel think they'd made the promised land, but God has this ultimate promised land in mind for him. Well, I've experienced something similar. Uh, and I've experienced both of these truths that first of all, it's God's purpose, not mine. It's his promised land, not mine. My view is so much smaller compared to his. And the second is that he's done things in my life that let me know very clearly it is him that's leading me. And so when he says he'll do all things expedient for us, he means it. He'll lead us to his promised land, and he'll do it in a way that we know it's by him that we're led. I think those are often those tender mercies that Nephi talks about throughout his writings, that um, to look for those. That's those tender mercies, I think, at least for me, I feel like are God re those reminders of God saying, I'm here, I'm with you. No, it's me. I'm here um, leading and guiding the way. So I love that thought. Another thought that I had, which kind of comes back to a verse that Zach read in the beginning, but pointing this out that um, we talk a lot about the wilderness that they were going through. But in chapter 16, it specifically mentions the they went through or keeping in the most fertile parts of the wilderness. And he mentions that a couple times. That was in verse 14, again in verse 16. Um, and we did follow the directions of the ball, which led us in the more fertile parts of the wilderness. Um, so even though they're in the wilderness, God is keeping them in a good place, right? Um, but just further on down as the story is when we get Nephi, who they're, they're hungry, Nephi breaks his bow. And then something that was kind of new to me or that stuck out this time in, in verse 20. And it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel and sons of Ishmael did begin to murmur exceedingly because of their sufferings. They're hungry, the bow broke, right? And continuing on in verse 20, and afflictions in the wilderness. And also my father began to murmur against the Lord his God. Yea, and they were all exceedingly sorrowful, even that they did murmur against the Lord. Um, we talk a lot about the murmuring coming from Laman and Lemuel, but here we see Lehi. I hadn't noticed that before. Um, and do we realize that they're in the most fertile parts, but they still can't find food? Um, Lehi, who's been leading them all along, finally says, I give up. This is too hard. Why is this not working? What I thought it was. So here he is murmuring. Um, and something that I thought a lot about is, um, that even when we're being led by God in these fertile parts on our own journeys, that we can still have trials. We can still have troubles, but that God is ultimately still leading us along. Um, for me personally, I've experienced this, um, in a way that maybe many of you are familiar with. Um, for a few years, um, I've, I've had difficulties with my faith. Now I learned that there's a word for it, the quote unquote faith crisis, right? Um, and I've just come to realize that part of that is my personality. I tend to be a little bit cynical about a lot of things. Um, but what I've looked back and realized as I've gone through these murmurings, I guess, of my own 
is that I was in the most fertile part of the land. And maybe if I could even debunk that term, the faith crisis, just a little bit, is that sometimes we murmur and sometimes we have a quote-unquote faith crisis. And that's just part of building our faith. That's part of finding out who God is. For me, that's really been the case, is that I've had a lot of questions. I've had a lot of doubts, but I've really... um felt that those wrestles and those questions have really been building blocks to something beautiful and wonderful in my faith and my relationship with God. Um, and so realizing that even when trials happen, just like Lehi, Lehi murmured. Um, and maybe there were other moments where he murmured too, but they were, aren't recorded here. But I think it's it can be really helpful for us as we're trying to build our own faith to know that even when we're being led by God and we're in those fertile parts, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have struggles. It's okay to go through those trials. God is still with us even during those times. I think we've said this before, but the presence of difficulties or trials or doubts is not the absence of God and vice versa. The presence of God in your life does not mean you'll experience an absence of doubts and trials and difficulties. Um, before that verse 16, that they're led to the most uh, fertile parts of the wilderness, comes verse 11, 12, 13, and 14. In verse 11, they gather together the things that they should carry into the wilderness, the remainder of their provisions the Lord had given them. They take seed of every kind they might carry into the wilderness. They did take their tents and depart of the wilderness across the river Laban. And they traveled for the space of four days, nearly a south-southwestern direction. They did pitch their tents and did call the name of the place Shazer. And they did take their bows and arrows and go forth in the wilderness to slay their food for their families. And after they'd slain food for their families, they returned again to their families. This is a lot of work. Have you ever been camping with kids? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. One I'm like, night is a lot of work. That's a lot of work. It's multiple days, weeks, months, even years in the wilderness. The most fertile part of the wilderness that the Lord led them to, and it's work. The wilderness is work. It's faith, and it's growth, and it's love, but it's it's work. There's work to be had in the wilderness. There's a wrestle to be had in the wilderness. And so I love this, that um, it's not an either or. It's not either I have faith and my life goes smoothly, or my life is bumpy and rocky, therefore I don't have a relationship with God. It's both, or at least it should be both. We should, can, need to have a relationship with God, and having that relationship doesn't absolve us from the difficulties of being in the wilderness. And I'd even dare say that some of those things that we experience are part of um, building us up toward the promised land. They make the promised land so much sweeter. Well, two verses here at the end of the block. This is First Nephi chapter 22. And I love this description of the Lord, uh, starting in verse 24. And the time cometh speedily that the righteous must be led up at, as calves out of the stall. And the Holy One of Israel must reign in dominion and might and power and great glory. And he gathereth his children from the four quarters of the earth, and he numbereth his sheep. And they know him, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd, and he shall feed his sheep, and in him they shall find pasture. And then verse 28, Behold, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people shall dwell safely in the Holy One of Israel, if it so be that they will repent. I love the simple truth that one thing that our Lord does, does really well and likes to do, is to lead us. But as he's leading us, that comes with instructions from time to time. He does things that are expedient for his purposes and in a way that we will know that it's by him that we're led. 
And even though we may be in the most fertile parts of the wilderness, we're not going to be absolved from trials and difficulties and potential doubts. But that if we will stay with him, he'll feed us, he'll nourish us, he'll take care of us, and we will dwell safely in the Holy One of Israel. Um, we've had very recent experiences where we've felt that, and you probably have too. As you study this week in your scriptures, you'll find other examples of ways that the Lord leads us that will connect to things that are happening in your life. When you do that, mark it, write it down, record it, and talk to God about it in gratitude because it's Him leading you. Yeah, if you find anything else this week in your study, I think it's going to be a really fun week. Um getting into the scriptures. So let us know. And we hope that your study is great and that your week is too. Thank you.